Welcome back to the Love You 9 to 5 show. You're really going to enjoy episode number 29 with Dan Locke. Here we go. Because money never interested me, you know, when I was young. And, but I knew that if I not, if I'm not successful, I'm not able to provide for my family, for my mom, for my people I love, I care. And that look, I just told myself, I don't care whatever the, the hell it takes. I don't want to see that face again. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your Nine to Five show. Today I have the distinct pleasure to have on the show with me Dan Locke. Dan Locke is the king of high ticket sales, the most trusted mentor for experts, multimillionaire serial entrepreneur, and lots more. Dan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for taking some time and spending it together with me and the listeners of the show. Um, before we get uh, too far into the show, can you just uh, unpack the intro a little bit for the listeners and just give maybe a brief background of, of your personal life? Sure. So I was born in Hong Kong and I immigrated to uh, Canada when I was 14 years old. And as the kind of only child in my family, shortly after that, when I, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 16 years old. Wow. And and then at the age of 17, actually, my dad went bankrupt uh, in Hong Kong. And he owed almost more than a million dollars in US, US dollars uh, in debt. Uh, got wiped out, basically got taken advantage by his business partner. Um, and that just destroyed him, destroyed his, not just financial life, but his confidence. And so at a very early age, as the only child in my family, uh, when I first got to Canada, I couldn't speak a word of English. So we got here with no money, no connections, and not a word of the English language on my lips. So growing up, uh, I started my business when I was in high school at a very early age. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to loving your nine to five. Um, in my entire life, I've only worked for somebody else for for less than a year. Uh, I've always been running my own business. I've always been like be my own boss. So and I love what I do. And so I don't know what it's like uh, to have a paycheck. <laughs> I don't quite understand that feelings, the concept of it. Uh, and and fast forward today, yeah, I mean I run you know a pretty successful group of companies and with investments and with you know, over eight, eight figure. Uh, a year in, in business and going beyond, you know, going towards the nine figure um, and <laughs> love what I do. Grateful every year, every day that uh, it's incredible how a young kid, uh, basically a poor immigrant boy could make the decision, mixing things happen and still build, kind of build a, a life of, of my dream, right? Wow. So, I mean, really, uh, your story is like a poster child for what the American dream is supposed to be about. That you came with, <laughs> you came with really no resources, uh, with a personal life full of challenges. Uh, you didn't have any, so to speak, privileges of knowing anyone or having anyone sponsor, um, you know, any of your businesses or you know any of your endeavors, and you were able to to really get to where you are right now. So, mm. before you know, before we get too deep into there, but Tell us what was it like being 16 years old? Yeah, your parents getting divorced, and it seems like that was around the same time when you were starting your first business. Are those yeah, two, are, the, are those two events connected? 
There absolutely it is. So when they first got divorced, uh, that I, as a young kid, I I lost my kind of direction. I still remember very clearly one day when I after I, I finished school, high school, and I went back mm-hmm. home. And at the time, my mom and I we were living in a one bedroom apartment, right? That we we were renting from, and my mom would would sleep in the in the sleep a bedroom, and I would sleep on the floor on the in the living room. Wow. And so, and it was in it's in one of the worst neighborhoods in my city, right? A lot of crime, a lot of drugs, and you know that was my home. Wow. And so I would go back home, and I would I saw that my mom's bedroom door was closed, and I could hear roughly like she was talking to someone on the phone, and and we was like fighting and arguing and then crying, and I knock on my mom's door. I said, "Mom, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? Who are you talking to?" And my mom's like, "No, no, no, don't worry about it. I was just talking on the phone." And afterwards, I opened up the door, and my mom was just bawling, just crying. And I asked her, "Mom, what's going on?" And she said, "Oh well, you know, your dad just went bankrupt. Um, he said basically he could not support us anymore, so we're on our own. Uh, wow. So whatever little money that we have, that was it. And I've never, because my mom is always like to me, my mom's like an angel. She's the type of person that it's like she goes to the supermarket. She knows everybody. Like wow. she's just." makes friends with everybody, right? She helps people all the time. And I've never seen that look on my mom's face. It was a look of hopelessness. I've oh. never seen that from my mom. And when I look at that, and I said to myself, no, I don't want to see that facial expression on my mom ever, ever again. And and also learn that you have to be self-reliant. You cannot even rely on your, like, Parents, right? You cannot even rely on your dad. Uh, so I had to learn how to stop being a boy, just man, man up, and just mature and, and be able to take care of my family. So wow. I learned that from me that if I don't, because money never interested me, you know, when I was young, and but I knew that if I not, if I'm not successful, I'm not able to provide for my family, for my mom, for my people I love, I care, and. That look, I just told myself, I don't care whatever the, the hell it takes, I don't want to see that face again. Wow. And that was it. <clears throat> so that that moment kind of seems like that. That was really rock bottom as far as, you know, where your your family relationship was and your mm-hmm. mother, who's a strong figure in your family, is sitting there crying in front of you. So yeah. it, which is interesting. So it seems like that your drive, at least at that point, was security more than luxury. Oh, 100%. It was, it's all, I wasn't thinking about like luxury. Forget, forget that. It, it was just, hey, if I can make enough just to, to, to have, like feed, my, you know, my mom and me. Because at the time I was driving a, uh, my car was a, a Ford Escort. Uh, I bought that for like 2,500 bucks from, from my aunt. Mm-hmm. And it means a piece of junk, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with 150,000 miles on it. That was the only asset that I had. And my mom and I would go to grocery grocery store. You know, when you go to grocery stores, you, you know those groceries that's on discount, that's mm-hmm. kind of near expire, right? There's a section on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my mom and I would buy. Wow. That's wow. where we would go, right? Uh, so, no, I wasn't even thinking about, not in a million, seriously, not in a million years could I ever imagine, like, from that to the life I have today, no. So, yeah, but, but before we get to where, where you are right now, what, what I, I know what I'm very interested in and what the listeners are very interested in learning is that you had that, 
uh, drive and you had that inspiration, which apparently is never going to go away. But not only didn't you, uh, you know, while away in self-pity, but you used that instead and you were growing from it and you committed that you're never going to see that look on your mom's face and you got to be self-sufficient. Now, how did, how did you, what was your next step? How did you turn that inspiration into a business that actually accomplished that result? Mm, I'll share two quick concepts with you because I think it's pretty important. Number one, talking about the sense of urgency, and I always tell people this. Let's say on average, assuming your lifespan is like 70 years old, okay? Let's say we, you live until 70 years old. Okay. Uh, one third of your life is spent on sleeping. One third, like that's gone, okay? Wow. Uh, one third of your life is spent on like entertainment or just waste time, like could be com- stuck in traffic or commute or, you know, doing dishes and all of that stuff, right? All, all the all the day-to-day mundane stuff. That's one third of life on that, that's gone, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first 20 years of your life, let's say 18, 20 years, when you were a baby, teenager to an adult, you, you're staying with your parents, right? You're going to school, you're learning how to walk, how to learn a language, how to speak, how to do homework. The first 18, 20 years, you're not really in control because you're living under someone, someone else's roof. You don't really make your own decisions. So if you take all of that and people ask me, Dan, what drives you? Like even now, what? How come you always operate with a sense of urgency? The way I see it is, one third sleeping, one third entertainment, one like almost twenty years on just learning how to be an adult. You, at max, probably have about five to seven years to quote unquote make it, to to live this life to the max. Now, if that doesn't give you urgency, I don't know what does. Wow, wow, that is such a powerful perspective. Now, we right. say that I'm starting my career, I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm 30, <clears throat> I'm going to work till 60, 65. Nowadays, people are living longer. Um, mind you, I, I work in long-term care, so I see people living to their mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, and even past mm-hmm. 100. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Even the people living that long, how, how many people are productive at that age? Correct. How many people have their, their, you know, their, all their abilities and their faculties that they can, be, they can accomplish and do what, you know, and live as they choose? So yeah. So if you say you have five years of productive time, how could you not maximize every single second? That is phenomenal. That's, and that's that. assuming, and that's assuming you don't make a lot of mistakes. If you were like me, I would make all these stupid business mistakes. It takes time to bounce back, just to to make up for lost time, right? Uh, so right. And that's the reality. That's the reality. And the second thing is, I think in life we go through four stages. Okay. And and I learned this uh, just through experience. The first stage is what I call survival. So at, back then when I was with my mom, I was just trying to survive, just to pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think we go from the first stage from survival to security, stage two. Security security means that, you know, now you, you, know, you don't have to worry about starving to death. You've got a roof over your head. You have a car that you can drive. You, you have a, a nice, secure job or business or some kind of income coming in, right? And most people, they might just stay in being secure, your, your comfort zone. And then you will evolve. Some people, a very, very small percentage, will evolve to stage three, go from success, uh, go from security to success. When you're successful, you don't just have everything you need, you have everything you want. You are living the house of your dream. You are taking those vacations. 
You are helping the people you want to help. You are driving the dream car you want to drive, right? You're spending time with the people you want to spend time with. You don't just have everything you need, you have everything you want. Now, that's a very, very small percentage of the population. And I was stuck there in a long time in my career, especially after I become quote unquote successful. There's actually a fourth stage, but I didn't learn that until I hit 30 years old. I'm 37 right now. When I hit 30 years old, one day I woke up in the morning with my wife and she just saw me. I was just bawling. I was just crying. And, I, and I'm very positive. Like she, my wife and I, we've been together for 10 years. She saw me cry maybe twice, mm-hmm. right? One time was that. One time was my when the dad, my dad passed away. That was it. Wow. And I was bawling. And she's like, what's going on, Dan? What's happening? Are you hurt? Like you like, I said, I don't know. I just, I felt this depression coming from nowhere. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I felt this way. And later on, I had a very deep kind of thought and conversation with myself because I've been successful, but I, I was stay at stage three for so long that I didn't know there's another stage, which is significance. Okay. That I felt that I have done, I've achieved a lot. I have made the money and I'm living the life. But deep down, something was missing. There's, I'm 30 years old. I'm I'm where I'm like here. But what's next? What's going to happen next? What what should I focus on? Right? I, I don't understand. So the first 10 years, let's say from 20 to 30 years old, it's all about success. It's all about money. I'm not proud to admit it, but I was the guy. It's all about making as much money as possible. It was making about it was about maximizing profits. Uh-huh. It was about becoming like you know, as successful as possible. I want people to know me, respect me. But then after 30 years old, after I turned 30 years old, I changed my focus. Instead of just focusing on achievement, I focus on fulfillment. Uh, and, and I learned that you cannot win, win, the, uh, win, the, tri- win, the, win the competition, win the, win the uh, champion for fulfillment, running on a track of achievement. And that changed. Wow. So I, I shift from success to significance. When you're oh. significant, you're no longer just focusing on yourself. And I don't want to sound so cliche, you know, uh, but it is about what's your legacy? Who are you impacting, right? I don't, when I die, I don't want people to go to my funeral and say, oh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a wealthy man. That's a successful guy. I want how, how many funerals funeral. have you gone to where whoever was doing the eulogies actually said that? Very few. Yeah, that's not what it's not what, in front of an open grave. You know, Very that's few. not enough. But you will find <clears throat> that by an eulogy of a wealthy, successful business person who got to stage four and achieved a real, genuine sense Correct. of significance by giving to others in whatever way he thought was appropriate that's and based correct. on their values. That is something that's real. That's correct. And that's when I say, you know what, I want someone to look at that and say, you know what, that man has impacted my life. Uh, And and, and I change my focus. I change everything I do uh, about the way I give you a perfect example. Okay. Okay. Uh, Before 30 years old, every single company that I have, I own 100%. Okay. After 30 years old, every single venture companies I have, every single one is a partnership. Wow. So you want so to bring other people focus. up with you? Mm-hmm. I change everything, my the way I operate, the way, everything. The funny thing is this, though. As I shift my focus, not so be me, 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 me. I actually, my business, they, they are bigger, they're more successful. 
I'm happier. Uh, I'm more fulfilled. The people around me, uh, they are better. Uh, it's incredible. It's just a sign. It's like you don't focus on it. That's the thing with money. Money doesn't come to you when you chase money. Money comes to you when you don't need money. Uh, and when you're just focusing on on being outstanding at what you do, wow. when you focus on other people, money just comes. Now, I watched your TED Talk today um, yeah. where you were talking about staying hungry and you really, mm. really did a phenomenal job. And I do have to say you really rocked that red suit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, appreciate it. But but really, it was a very very powerful speech. Now my question is: When you were at the success stage, where you were you you obviously you were very hungry to get to that level of financial success. Um, but then when you had that epiphany, and you, and you realized that you wanted to achieve a level of significance, do you feel that that hunger stayed the same? It got less. It got stronger. How did it affect it? It actually got stronger. Because now when I do things, I don't just focus. Because here's the thing. If I just focus on my own uh, ple- like pleasure or like materialistic. And don't get me wrong. I like nice things, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if I just focus on my own stuff, I always tell people, so how many freaking car can I drive? How many, how, how many, how many houses could I live in? Mm-hmm. Right? How many vacations could I take? Once you like once, yes, I am driving my dream car. I am living my dream house. I am taking those vacations. I am dining in the best restaurants. I'm doing all of that already. Now, what's next, right? Wow. And that could only get you so far. Like if you, anyone listening to this, let's say you have a dream car. I'm sure you have one as well, right? Yeah. Like when you have that dream car, I'm going to get that car when I was a young guy. And once you get it, it's nice that the first couple months, you're like, yeah, it's so good. After six, seven months, uh, you know, that excitement dies down, right? Uh, and same thing with consuming. Anytime when you're a consumer, that's what happens, right? But when I shift the focus to now helping others and impacting others, that excitement, that that feel is very, very different. It's very, very, very different because that that drive when I see I help someone, when I one of my students or people, my mentees and all my partners, or I see my perfect example, one of my one of my guys who've been with me for three years, when I first met him, he was uh, in debt, mm-hmm. six figure in debt. Wow. Uh, wife, I uh, got two kids, single father, and it's got uh, the wife basically not totally divorced, but they don't stay together. My wife is in Japan, he's in here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. When I met him, that's where he was, right? Uh, and like basically lost his identity didn't feel like a man, the, his you know, father-in-law, mother-in-law kind of look him down and all this stuff, right? To be able now fast forward to today, the wife is quitting the job, taking care of kids the full time, they're getting back together. Wow. Um, and, and, then, and then bought a new car, the Audi uh, Q, Q5 mm-hmm. um, for the father-in-law, being able to provide for the family. And he said to me, Dan, you, you, made, you, you, term, you made me feel, feel like a man wow. again. Wow. I, the man that I could be, that kind of thing. I'm telling you, buying that car doesn't give you that. Wow. It just doesn't. Right? <clears throat> Not only that, if you look in retrospect at the moments when you made it such a, I mean, you have the opportunity to make a massive, significant changes in people's lives. But when you reflect back to that moment, even now, I could hear in your voice how you're getting some, a level of satisfaction and enjoyment. 
Whereas if you look back, if you relive right now, you know, some of the earlier moments of the new car or the new house, it's mm. different. It still w- was different. enjoyable, but it's, it's, I guess it's not as intense. It's, it's a di- different type. It's not, it's not. And, and I know that, and he, he's always said to me, it's, it's that I'll, it's like family, right? He, he treat me like a family and, and I'll be able to do that for him. So, and, and imagine I'll be able to do that for like a lot of people. And, and that's, beautiful because then goes back to example not just giving them some money no i'm teaching you like how to fish not just give you a fish right right i'm giving you the skill set you need to be successful right yeah so uh i i know this this conversation could go very long but i know that you're (laughs) pressed for time so uh the listeners want to hear and i want to hear even if no one else does um Mm. what were some of the ways i mean you went from a 16 year old kid to, Mm. to you got that hunger and you started these businesses and you yeah. experimented and you failed numerous times, as you mentioned, until you, you really found what was right for you. Was mm. What would you say for someone else who's kind of where you started and they're, they're up, you know, they want to create a company and they want to really create, they're, they're up to the security slash success stage. Um, mm. what, what is their first step? Like, what do they need to do to try to get the ball rolling? Yeah, I'll give you a very simple kind of formula to to follow. It's not complicated, but I think once you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh, it will make a lot of sense." Okay. okay. People come to me and always ask me, "Well, Dan, uh, what should I? What kind of business should I start?" My reply is always 100% don't. Huh. Don't start a business. Why not? They, all, they, always, they always give me that reaction. You just gave me what? Right. <laughs> huh? Why not? Thought, Dan, you're like a proponent of entrepreneurship and, and you know start your own business, be your own boss. Isn't that what you like what you preach? Right. I said no. Uh, no. Um, what I what I preach, what I a big believer in is the wealth, the concept of the wealth triangle. So here's how it goes. So think of a triangle, think of a, a three corners, you can just visually. Okay. And there are three parts to this triangle. The first stage of the triangle, first part is what I call high income skills. Now, okay. I define high income skills as skills that could make you a minimum of $10,000 a month. Okay, so you're turning your expertise, your knowledge, your experience into money and you deliver value to the marketplace. Now, at this stage, you are trading hours for dollars, but you're trading out your hours for high dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and high income skills could be, it could be like you're, you're consulting. I have a friend of mine who's a ballroom dancer. He makes over $100,000, actually $120,000 a year as a ballroom dancer, instructor. Um, yes. He does that. So whatever it is, but it, it's now notice I didn't say high income job. It's not a job. It's a high income skill, right? Uh, that you is a is a is a skill set you deliver the marketplace in exchange of money. Now once you've done that stage two, then you can start a scalable like a scalable business. Now not a traditional business, not like opening up a bunch of restaurants and franchises and all this stuff. Uh, a scalable business, I define it as a business you can scale without a lot of infrastructure. It could be a software company, an internet-based business. There's so many different examples. Um, I am biased. I love internet because I make most of money from the internet. So scalable business. Third is high return investments. That's the third stage, high return investments. So I define high return investments as investments that would generate more than um, uh, above average returns, so 10% year in and year out. Now, why is this important? You notice a lot of people, they want to jump to stage two. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to mortgage my house. I'm going to borrow from family and friend, fam, uh, friends and family. I have this idea, this invention. What happens? They screw up. Right. Right. 
and, and they thought, oh, I'm going to make it through this business, this business. No, that's not what you don't skip that. You should develop your high income skills first because your high income skills provide you with a peace of mind, the security, right? You know, you're paying the bills. You could wait. You could be patient. Um, you always have that to fall back on. Then once you're stable, like kind of you're secure, stage two, yeah, then you can go into the scalable business, right? Now you, because now you're going in with certain amount of skills. Because here's what happens: if you're making ten thousand a month delivering a skill to the marketplace, it tells me a couple of things. It tells me that you probably uh, pr have pretty good work ethics. It also tells me you probably uh, have a decent amount of people's skill. It tells me a lot about who you are because less than 6% 6 of population makes over $100,000 a year. Less than 1% of the population makes over $325,000 a year. So when you're making 100K, like 100K a year, you're among already the top 6% of the population. So when you start a business from that place, that place of strength and abundance, it's a different thing. Last, the, the worst time you want to start a business is when you are desperate. When you need money, like you know, like you need money, like tomorrow, it is not good, and that's why most businesses, like people say, 90, 95 percent of small businesses fail in the first five years. I'm not surprised. You go in without training, you go in with no skills, you go in desperate. Of course, it's not going to work, right? So the scalable business provides you with cash flow. Well, then are, are are you ready? Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> you said I was going to say it, but that makes so much sense. I know uh, maybe I overdramatized it, but that really makes so much sense because I do see people doing that all over the place. That, oh, yeah, I'll start a business and they do fail. No, like it's like what, what makes you think you can make a business work, right? right. I, I'm like I'm a realist. Right, people, I want to start a business. Okay, I always people ask me, oh, I, should, I, I want to do this business again. I have always asked them two questions. Why you and why now? And they are stunned. <sighs> They're like, oh, because I had this idea. I saw so and so made a bunch of money doing it. I said, why you and why now? So well, once you I, have that, that high income skill, then you can answer why you. And I guess right. once you define a need and you have a way to fill it, then maybe that could be the why now. Exactly. Let me give you one more example. It's so critical, right? So then let's say now your business is making you a lot of cash. Now you're not counting your business to, to provide you with the pay your bills because you have your high income skills. So your business, now all the extra money, you can reinvest that profit back to your business to make it grow faster. If you don't have that, guess what? People, sometimes they have a business that's working. They take too much money out. It slows down the growth, right? Once your business is throwing off so much cash, you can take that money. Now you put into investments, high return investments that builds your net worth. So there are three types of money. One is income, one is, one is cash flow, one is net worth. Now you are quote unquote becoming wealthy. And then guess what? You build your net worth, you take the extra earning dividends or, or, or rental income, you reinvest in yourself to keep, keep, in, keep increasing and upgrading your high income skills so you earn more and more and more money. This is like what I teach. This is what I, the path that I follow. Here's the thing. You notice people, they are, having, they are in a job. They're making two, three, five thousand a month. They try to jump into high return investments. They try to invest in cryptocurrency. They uh -huh. try to buy highly leveraged real estate. What happens? What does happen? I don't know. It fails. That's right. That's right. Because they have no foundation. They try to get rich, quote unquote, get rich quick. They try to shortcut it. You cannot shortcut this process. You just, you just cannot. No, let's, say, let's say I have a high pretend. I have a high income skill of a Facebook 
uh, ad, you know, expert. Right. Okay. I'm working with clients. I'm charging clients three thousand a month. I'm working with, they say, five clients. I'm making fifteen thousand dollars a month. Cool. I have high income skills. Pays my bills. I am in a good position. Now, if I want to start a scalable business, I want to find some product. I want to start scale that online. Guess what? I've been doing this Facebook marketing for a couple of years now. I know how this stuff works. Right. Mm -hmm. The chances of me succeeding is much, much higher because by doing it for other people, it's already a proof of my skill versus, oh, I'm going to come up with this product and I'm going to sell this. Well, how am I going to sell it? I don't know. Well, do you know how to sell it? No, I don't know. You say so many times people are starting businesses that besides for the regular stress of keeping the business alive, they're figuring out so many new things, especially if it's their first business. And and there's not enough time in that stressful, desperate situation to also be good and actually offer a good product or a service. Whereas if we follow the method you just described, it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You're already the expert. Now you're just turning that into something that's a little bit more scalable. So now you have all the tools and you set up for success. So that, I mean that. that say, go ahead. You got it. You said it perfect. And that's why I said the the key to business success is you need to figure out how to be profitable before you run out of money. Well, that's need, it. You need to learn how to be profitable before, before you, you run, run out, out, of out of money. Wow. And if you have high income skills, you would take. If you have no high income skills, it doesn't take long before you run out of money. But your high income skills, you can always fall back on. You can survive much, much longer, right? To find a way to make that first profitable sale, to find a way to attract the client, to find the best way to to retain those clients. It gives you time, right? Like the first goal is just to survive. The longer you can survive, you don't go out of business, you, you can figure stuff out. If you're willing to learn, you're listening to podcasts, you're, you're asking mentors, that's the key. But most people, before you even get to that point, they die financially. They run out of money. They shut down the business. That's it, right? Wow, wow. Okay, I see that we're running out the clock, and I, I, you know, I really want, would love to go further, but unfortunately, we can't. Um, if for the listeners and for myself, if we want to continue hearing more about, um, you know, some of your the the, the speeches that you gave, the TED Talk presentations, how, how do we find, follow more um, about you? Where, where's the best place for everyone to go? I think the best way is I have a lot of work. A lot of my work is on YouTube. It's all free, right? You can go to YouTube. You just go to Dan Lok and you can find hundreds of videos. It's all free. There's nothing to buy. There's no opt-in and you can just do that. That's one way for me to to share you know, my knowledge with the world, right? If you talk about going a little bit further, studying my work, I recommend just my book, F You Money. Uh, talk about love, your nine to five. Um, the F You Money is all about living a life of total freedom. And about doing something that you love to do, and you get it. You can get it, get it from Amazon, twenty bucks, or you could just go to fumoney.com and just download it for free. That's also my gift to you. Wow, wow, excellent. Okay, I will definitely put those links in the show notes. And it's really been a pleasure having you on. Um, you shared, really shared so much, very, very condensed. Um, you know, all that material. Maybe in the show notes we'll be able to explain it. Uh, you know, maybe expound on it a little bit. But um, I really, really appreciate you taking some time of your busy schedule and sharing with us today. Thank you. A ple pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful episode where we see Dan starting in a really, really challenging position and not giving up. And through his determination, he was able to really turn around his financial situation. And he really gave us a couple of really deep and foundational tips for us 
to be able to replicate the same success. If you've enjoyed the show, please head over to the iTunes store. Leave us a nice review that will definitely help iTunes show you know this podcast to others as well. And thank you for being with us. Thank you for being part of the journey. And we look forward to speaking with you in episode number 30.